Welcome to Smashing Through Walls with Carla McGee. Whether you are just pulling up a seat to the table, breaking a glass ceiling, or smashing through walls, grab your favorite mug and join us on the first and third Friday at 11 o'clock for candid conversations with industry experts and decision makers as we navigate and explore all the things related to real estate and community. Welcome, everyone, to Smashing Through Walls, where we don't want to just break glass ceilings. We want to smash down the walls. Today, I am super excited to introduce one of my personal friends, Melissa Murphy. Melissa and I met, um, I think, like in a mom's networking group or something like that when I did a short stint in Portland, Oregon. She sold my house there. We just became good friends. And then I saw her on Facebook move to Mexico. And I was like, what the, where is she going? And so I've never really gotten a chance to ask her. And so today I'm really excited that we could actually have that conversation. So I'll let you introduce yourself and your brokerage and then tell me what happened. Yeah. So uh, I am with Harcourts uh, North America and my business partner, Heather Walker and I opened, um, Harcourts Baja, and uh, we were officially launched in January of this year. It took about a year to get it up and going because the government process, it's just a very time-consuming and cumbersome deal. So we opened officially January 1st, and we're off to the races. So yeah, so Harcourts is a global company, uh, 11 countries. Well, now we're the first one in Mexico, so we have that distinction of being the groundbreakers in Mexico and smashing through those walls, I guess. That's right. Uh, so we're 11 countries, 1,100 offices worldwide, and ironically, 11,000 and growing brokers. So well, that's really um, cool. it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So hi, friend. Hi, how are you? Good. So true story. Melissa did sell my yeah. house in Portland. And yep. I got fed up with the rain and we moved back here and I had I restarted <laughs> everything here. And I'm literally scrolling on Facebook and she's talking about Mexico. I just think she's on like some great vacation. And then she's like, the kids started <laughs> school. And I'm just like, what what are you doing? So what yeah. what happened? Did you get tired of the so, rain too? A little bit. We <laughs> I got tired of crying every time we left Mexico. So we have some friends who've been down here about 15 years now. Oh. And he started, uh, he and his business partner started the first microbrewery in Mexico. And Tim had gone, my husband Tim had gone to high school with him. And then they stayed friends through college. He was at our wedding. So just a long time, you know, kind of way back old friend. You know, every time we would come down, he would say, you guys should just move here. What are you doing? It's so great. Great place to live. And then I would get on the plane and I would cry because I wanted to be in Mexico. <laughs> and we had had, we had hosted two uh, exchange students from Mexico. We just absolutely fell in love with, you know, the culture and the climate and the environment and the lifestyle. And so literally in June of 2019, we were sitting out back in uh, our probably somewhat rainy, cold backyard, right? June is often cold in Oregon and sitting around the bonfire. And I said, let's do it or not. And, you know, he, Tim brought it up again. And he just said, look, stop talking about it or let's do it. It's like one or the other. We can't, we can't live in this what if land. And so he sort of, we sort of triple dog dared each other. And (laughs) um, six months later, uh, literally December 29th, 2019, we were on the ground pulling into our new place. He drove, I flew with the kids and he drove with the dog and a friend and 
here we are. So right before COVID, which, you know, it's a blessing in the sense that if we hadn't done it when we did, we would never have done it. So that's that nugget to listen to your, your instincts and just, you know, we knew Oregon would be there. We could always go back. Right. So, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Or anywhere. US, you know, it, it, we can always go back or go yeah. somewhere else. So we're like, why not? Why not? That's really cool. Um, and yeah. I can attest yeah. to the rainy June. So I'm a June baby, right? My birthday's June 22nd. I grew up around Seattle, Washington. And I can tell you, I left when I was 19. And I can tell you that I could count about on one hand the amount of sunny birthdays I had. And that yeah. they were typically in the rain. It was really depressing. Yeah. There's a reason why I live in the desert now. <laughs> right. Same, right. And I, yeah. like to me, I've been to, Ca- I love Cabo. And we can talk yeah. about that too. But to me, Cabo is the most desertous of mm-hmm. all the Mexico. Like, yep. if that makes sense. Right. It's like, absolutely. Mm-hmm, even it's though it's on the rugged. ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I'm looking out and it's like, you know, mountains and ocean, like it's just rugged. It's rock. The topography is a little bit like Oregon. It's just not green, right. you know? So it's interesting because when we drive and we see the mountains and there's no snow, like that's just super weird and it's so arid, but it's beautiful and it has its own, you know, like you said, desert beauty. And when it does rain and everything turns green in about 25 minutes, it's, it's just an incredible place to be. Yeah. So well, yeah, because yeah. you guys still get monsoons and haboobs and stuff like we do here in uh, Arizona, right? Because a lot of times they're coming up from Baja. Yeah, the the haboobs might come from northern Baja. We don't get those so much because mm. we're way, we're right on the ocean, mm-hmm. so we have the buffer of the mountain. Um, but we do get hurricanes. Um, last year, the kids and I went through a cat two together. Wow. My husband happened to be Tim was in the was in Portland. Probably mm-hmm. also was rainy. But we did, um, we did weather a, uh, a cat too together. And that was, that was pretty wild. Was it? So what do you have to do to like prepare for a hurricane? On our house, there are wood panels and you just put them up, nail them in and hope for the best. You hunker down. Like you already have them like pre-measured, pre-cut, like they're just ready to go all the time. Yeah. They're in the garage. And then you just, we had a guy come over and actually we had had a guy come over. There was, there were back-to-back hurricanes and we had them put up and then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the first one was kind of a dud. It was like the hurricane that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So he came back and took them down. And then the second hurricane turned around and happened so quickly that we didn't have time to get them back up. And so then of course that was like the real hurricane, but a lot of people <laughs> have either the electronic ones that are, you know, motorized and you just push a remote. Other people have canvas. Um, and the canvas ones are nice because they let some light in, you know, when you're plywooded in, it's, there's no light, yeah, yeah, there's no dark. wind. I mean, it is, it's an, it's kind of an intense experience. And, well, and then you kind of can't see what's going on or like when it clears or anything, right. You just kind of live yeah. in this darkness and just hope Box. for the best. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of baller though. If someone has it yeah. like on a remote, they're like, Oh, the hurricane's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're just gonna hang tight it's like a garage door and it just drops down so wow. yeah that's pretty cool so yeah, are you a, on the dope. pacific side or the sea of cortez side sea of cortez side yeah. yeah so we look out over um madano beach which is the swimmable area and um all of the resorts on that side and then i you know being a west coast girl i do have an affinity for the pacific side but it's farther from the kids school and, and this is where all the action is really so we well, like being on the Sea of Cortez side. I spent my honeymoon in uh, Cabo San Lucas uh, almost 22 years ago. Oh my uh, gosh. I know. And, and my 30th birthday, which was 15 years ago. God. 
Um, and but I remember the first time we went, they told us that the Pacific side isn't for swimming, and but the mm-hmm. Sea of Cortez side is. Yes, and that's yeah. accurate. Why yep. is that? Um, the Pacific. It's it has to do with the rip current and the tides and the waves are massive. So. On the Pacific side, you can go up to Cerritos Beach, Cerritos and Pescadero. It's a little, it's about an hour from here. Mm -hmm. And it's some of the best surfing in the world. Uh, And it's swimmable because the way that the, it's also like a cove like Madonna is. And it's um, the sand shelf goes way out. So it's, it's a lot safer to swim. And the kids, we don't worry about the kids frolicking at Cerritos. It's, it's really safe and shallow. And then it, you know, goes out. But the Madonna side has become rougher. Mm-hmm. Um, just with, you know, tide change and climate change and storms. And, and so it's a little bit more intense, but it's, it's swimmable, um, on, on most days. And then you just have to be careful closer to San Jose cause it's rockier. So it's just knowing where you are mm-hmm. and paying attention. Yeah. There were black flags out, uh, the other day and somebody actually had like their two and three year old playing in the surf and we were like, what are you doing? What does a black flag mean? What's that? It, well, they're graded. Right. And black is like, absolutely do not go near the water. Like it's like prohibited. Where red is like, you should be careful getting close to the water. We don't recommend you get near the water, but black is like, stay inside. Like black is like, the, it will, the ocean will eat you. And then so it's, I would it's, be the yeah. dummy with my kids out there because I would have no idea what that means. So like, is there yeah. like a sign that says what it means? Who changed, mm-hmm. like who changes that? Yeah, the resorts all do. And oh. so there are, you know, boards up that say what they mean. They just, ignore them and the, the guards had to come down and blow whistles and Good. get them off the beach so wow yeah so yeah. and so the black flag means like it's really rough out there or maybe there's a storm coming in or just something along those lines it's just the water's dangerous so it's not mm-hmm. necessarily yeah. like there's a shark or no, no. <laughs> we don't really get sharks here no. that i know of i mean we, yeah i don't know that we've had like any attacks so knock on yeah knock on like, margarita right knock- like <laughs> Um, when I was, I was just in Pismo beach last week. Mm. And when I was there, they were showing on the news how there was Ah. like, not a shark attack, but this shark, this person was taking a picture of something else and just happened to catch it. It came out of the water like a dolphin. And that's like super rare. They don't come out of the water and they don't know why it was coming out of the water, but it was like the big deal on the news. And so my kids went surfing. I was like, they're fine. They're not going to get eaten by a shark. Yeah. Okay, so you're tired yeah, of the yeah. rain. You moved to Mexico. You have kids. Yep. You have a husband. Do, you have a business. Yeah. Like, how did you how did you transi- transition everything? How is that like? How did that go? You know, it's really still a work in progress. And, and I hate to you know, COVID ruins everything. I don't want to blame it on COVID, but that first year was sort of a wash, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're emerging and we're able to to really enjoy it. So we were all running our businesses remote anyway. Right? right. So I could do it from here. And I had, um, an assistant in Portland who would, you know, open doors and show properties and hold open houses. She would have been doing that anyway, whether I was there or here. Right. So I could still write contracts. I could still meet with clients and people are much more open and amenable to that. So that really led to a natural transition to being here because on the flip side, our, client base is very transient, right? They're not, they're not here most of the time. So buyers come in, they come in on a cruise or they come in on a weekend, you know, vacation and they fall in love like we did. And then they want to, they want to know more. They want to stay here. So we do a lot of zoom. Um, we do a lot of video tours. I'll, you know, go to a client or I'll go to a listing and I'll show them, you know, be a 
either FaceTime or, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of way to, to tour them through the property, take pictures, give them my insights. So there is a lot of that. And the development boom here, the, the building is out of control. I mean, the, the number of condos being built like nonstop is just incredible. So there is actually a lot of site unseen buying, site unseen and unbuilt buying, which is sort of my specialty is helping people see that vision of, you know, the, first of all, yes, the confidence that this is a great developer and you can trust them and you can give them your money because there's a payment schedule. But then also seeing the vision of what the building's going to look like and how it's going to feel and, and what the area is like. So it's a lot of visualization. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the same yeah. with commercial real estate, mm-hmm. right? Or um, I do a lot of investment real estate as well. And a right. lot of what I do is on my own. I There's clients I never even meet in person, right? It's right. all email and telephone and um, docu-signs and everything else. And I think part of like the, I know at least here in Arizona, part of the like housing boom we had during COVID was people in the same position that it was like, I'm working from home anyway, and it's raining here. Yep. So I might as well work from home where the sun is shining. And, yeah. um, and I think that's part of like the migration we had to Arizona. So we'll see if that stays consistent. So sure. the kids are in school. I was going to say, I, oh, I, was go gonna say I love seeing, you know, the properties. And I think that that's something that you do really well oh, thank you. is, creating that, you know, expressing like, this is, this is the spot you want this spot and really, you know, sharing your enthusiasm for a property or a project and then helping people see what it's, you know, so I take some tips from you. I'm always like, oh, maybe I should try that because, you know, it's that same, you got to build that, you know, initial first impression and the trust. And right. I think you do a really, really great job at doing that to get oh, people well, sucked in. So, appreciate yeah. that. Thanks. Yeah. Drawn, drawn I, in is better than. Yeah. Well, and I do love it okay. here and you love it there. So it's probably an easy translation, right? Whereas if I yeah. was selling property in Portland, I'd be like, so you want to move here? Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? It's already, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, really yeah, that's a really great sale, lady. Like I, yeah. I'm totally buying that. Um, yeah. So, okay. So I'm really curious about your kids because I have kids yeah. too, right? And they're not yeah. too far off in age. They're in school in Mexico. Are they learning Spanish? Do they only speak Spanish? Like, what is school like there? So in Cabo, because we're in this, you know, we're sort of at the end of the world. We're in this sort of utopian bubble with a lot of um, expats. Uh, The kids, there's like nine international private schools. And there are, you know, from San Jose to Cabo. um, And you sort of find the one that's the right fit. And they are half day English, half day Spanish. So the kids go, you know, half day English, half day Spanish, like Rose. Rosie's, my daughter's math is all in Spanish. So she's, you know, she's, and then she's been going to a tutor after school just to reinforce because mm-hmm. um, that's hard in Spanish. But, and then flip side, Jack's, you know, uh, Spanish teacher said that he does the best in his class for some reason. He's very conscientious and very studious. And so he can take that English to Spanish translation really quickly. So they go to uh, Del Mar and it's a big school. The campus is probably, it's like a small community college. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing how big this, this school is and they run it really efficiently. And actually our kids are probably, you know, a quarter of the population. I think that the the rest is, and I mean like, you know, expat or, or gringo kids, the rest is Mexican. So they really have a good influence of local kids and local families. And um, they're picking up the Spanish. I think since we don't speak it at home, I mean, I speak it, but we don't speak Spanish to each other in the home that they're not as confident and they don't speak it around us. And the other day we were somewhere and, and 
road just broke right into Spanish to, you know, a, somebody at the resort where we were. And I'm like, who, who are you? Where's that Spanish? <laughs> perfect accent, perfect conjugation. I'm like, what? Right. So it was, it's fun to see that. So when they get their confidence up. Well, and what an interesting dynamic, like mm-hmm. in reverse, right? Like, yeah. especially in Arizona, we see a lot of families migrate from Mexico or Spanish speaking countries up here and their mm-hmm. children translate for the parents a lot. And so I always wonder, like, were they born here? But, you know, because you're an English speaking house with kids that are learning Spanish, because how old are your kids? 10 and 13 right. now. So they're so not they, toddlers. They're not kindergartners. Mm-hmm. This is like no. mid school experience where they're yeah. bringing that into the house and, and thriving. It sounds like. Yeah, they're getting there. So, um, I, you know, I really appreciate that for them because they, I think it's going to broaden a lot of horizons. Yeah. My daughter has made a lot of friends who speak Spanish. So, you know, but they, they're very, their English is very strong. So there's a huge desire to speak English here. Right. And that's one of the, handicaps, not quite the right word, but it was sort of one of the, the cultural challenges is that everybody wants to speak English. So anybody who's a native Spanish speaker wants to practice their English with you. So you're like, oh, I want to speak my Spanish right. with you. So you, you, know, you kind of have to go back and forth and right. it's a very courteous culture. So they speak a lot of English to us because I think out of concern that we might not, there might be miscommunication. And right. so strong English speakers will speak English to native English speakers because they want to make sure. So it's a really interesting dynamic. I work hard at speaking as much Spanish as I can. Just I was so just going to ask and how your Spanish and, is coming along. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It, my my 10th grade um, Spanish <laughs> teacher from high school would be very proud of me putting it into practice. I'm sure she had no hope at the end of 10th grade, but she'd be very proud of me. <laughs> I was just telling my daughter, coincidentally, like true story the other day. When I went to college, I was an adult. And so I went to community college and I transferred to the University of Washington. I think my counselors assumed I had a foreign language at some point and I didn't. And no one told me I needed it. So I'm just taking my classes and grooving along, right? And I get accepted to UW. I'm super excited. We've got a scholarship. Yay me. And I get a letter (laughs) in June-ish and they're like, you need three years of a foreign language. And I cried because I'm like, how am I going to take three years of a foreign language in one summer? And there are classes. They're called intensive blah, blah, blah classes. And they're three years of a foreign language and they count for credit and they're pass or fail. Thank God, because I don't want to know what my grade was. So now I can shop and I can order food. (laughs) That's what came out of that. Right. I'm so good at shopping and ordering food that when we go to Mexico or somewhere, though, oh, habla espanol. No, 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 no. (laughs) Just tacos. Just quiero tacos. Just cerveza. No mas tequila. (laughs) That's about the extent of it. I know how to negotiate in dollars and that's about it. You can tell the difference between flour and corn tortillas. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. So yeah. my daughter yeah. always thinks that that story is pretty funny because I'll know some true. words and she's like, so my mom took Spanish. I'm like, eh, but I really didn't. Yeah. Well, then that's really cool. I'm glad to hear that everything's going well. I am really, really curious about what okay. it is like as an American yeah. to invest in Mexico. I love yeah. Cabo. When we went there, same, even, you know, back mm-hmm. when we were 22 and on our honeymoon, yeah. that I want to, I've always wanted to buy a condo there or just something that someday when I'm mm-hmm. old and now that day is approaching pretty quickly, um, <laughs> want to spend more time there. But like, I'm like, yeah. wow, how do you 
like how that's not our country. It doesn't have the same laws and regulations and dollars and like all the things, right. but does it? So I'm like super curious about what that looks like. So uh, it's the same and very different at the, you know, simultaneously. So, you know, we go, we go shop for a house, we write an offer, we do all of the things that, you know, we would experience in the U S a lot of the same, that process, the, the difference is the contracts have to be in English and in Spanish so oh. that um, both, both sides can um, understand the contract. So anytime I write a contract, I have to translate it. You know, thank goodness Microsoft Word has automatic translate. So um, I do that a lot. Uh, we've had a, we've had an official translator, but he's very expensive. So um, Microsoft translate seems to suffice just fine. So we use that a lot. And then the part where it starts to get a little bit more complicated for people and a lot more time consuming is on the escrow portion of it. You know, because in the States, we send it off to escrow, they pull the title report, and basically escrow just gets the parties together, transfers the money, everybody signs and everything is is golden. Well, here there is the escrow team and then there's the notario and the closing team. And it is, it's a much more involved process hmm. because we don't have title and escrow the same way that, like I can't look up a property owner here in Mexico the way I can in the US. Like if I wanna know who owns 123 Main Street in the US, I can put it in and I can pull up the public tax records. It's much more difficult to do that here. So they, they have to do the title search and also how title is held here, it's in a fee to comiso for foreigners. So for you and I would hold it in um, a fee to comiso and Mexicans um, would hold it in an escritura. So there's those two. So if I'm buying it from a Mexican, then that has to be transferred from an escritura into a fee to comiso. So that's another step in the process. So it is a little bit cumbersome, but it's, it, you know, there are great, great closing attorneys here who guide people through the process. So you can do it. You can own it. It's not a 99 year lease. That is sort of the myth that's out there. That's literally a, when I'm like, I'm not to interrupt. I'm sorry. But like when I'm like, yeah, oh, no, I'm no. interviewing my friend, Melissa and blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh yeah. And you can't own it. It's a lease. And I'm no, like, no. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. The Fida Camiso is a true, a true title. So it's like a fee simple title. Mm-hmm. And you have all of the rights, responsibilities, and enjoyment of your property the same way that you would in the U.S. with a true, you know, with a, what do we would sort of contextually call a true title, but it's a, it's a fide comiso. It's a real title. You own it. Nobody can take it from you. And it's 50 years in perpetuity. So if I buy it and I leave it to my kids, they can renew it every 50 years in perpetuity give it to their (laughs) kids and so on. Maybe that's where it comes from is the the renewal process. And maybe that's confusing. Explain that. This process actually came into effect in like 1972, but it wasn't widely known. And I think there weren't as many people buying back then. And so I'm not really sure where the 99 year lease idea comes from. And maybe that does exist in other areas, but basically in um, what they call the restricted zone. So the tourist areas, all of the coastline of Mexico, and then the border. So Puerto Penasco, um, Rocky Point, you know, all of the border, Tucson, all of that with Texas. Um, 100 miles from the border and 50 miles inland from the high water mark, you can own, and it's in a fee to Camiso. So if I own a beachfront property and I do it properly through the right channels, then I own it. So nobody can take it from me. There is a case in northern Baja where a development was created and the developer did not um, title the, pro- the land properly. So it's what's called ajito land, which is the native people's land. And he built all these homes, sold them to the people, and the people were warned that this land can be taken from you. 
and it was Ugh. all their homes, everything, everything. There's nothing you can do because it's native land and it never, it wasn't done properly. So you have to make sure that your title is proper in places like Cabo, Puerto Vallarta, Cancun, um, Tulum, all those, right. they're doing it right. Um, but yeah, right. so it's very had, culturalized. It's very, um, Americanized. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very touristy. They've been doing this a long time. It's not a new process for them. Like, right, right, right. Um, and if you're buying in a neighborhood like this, mm-hmm. like where we live, or you're buying in a condo development, that land has already gone through that process. Right. So then you're buying the living space, you know, and your parcel from the developer and it'll all be true to title. And the escrow companies are, the good ones are really expert at making sure that the title is, um, is followed. So in a condo situation, are you mm-hmm. buying the airspace like you are here? And mm-hmm. the condo yeah. There's a condominium regime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then are yeah. you in a single family house? We are in a single family house, um, but we are in a mixed neighborhood. So there's 30, what they call villas, kind of large, to me, they feel like large townhouses. Okay. Ours is about 2,200 square feet. And then there's 34 condos. So it's mixed. Which do, is, and a lot of the neighborhoods are like that. Do the townhouses touch walls? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. It's freestanding. We have our own lot. So we, you know, but it, it's a, but there are comps, so it's a mixed, but there, but that's very common here to yeah. have a, a more mixed neighborhood like that. Yeah. And yeah. for those of you that couldn't see Melissa's view out her window, because it made her turn into a black blob earlier. Look at that. That's amazing. It's all ocean yeah, and, and palm that's trees. The, and... I know you can see it right there. That is the um, arches out there, the Cabo arches. Oh, uh, Lover's Beach, right? Yep. Lover's Beach. Yes. Yep. I see, I remember yep. a little yep. something from my honeymoon. We're, we're a little spoiled. It's kind of nice to get up and drink our coffee and, and look at that. <laughs> right. <meal>. I mean, <laughs> I feel spoiled where we are because I get to see sun and palm trees and my pool and stuff every mm-hmm. day. But you just took that yeah. to the next level. So I color me jealous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if like the lease that that makes sense, what you were talking about with mm-hmm. the how you have to kind of renew it. Mm-hmm. And that, that could be interpreted as a lease because we have that here. Our reservation mm. land, I don't think you'd probably dealt with it as much in Oregon as we do here. No. Um, reservation land is you, you oh. can't typically buy it. You can lease it. And they're what they call 99-year leases. So it's supposed to be like a lifetime lease. But when it expires or if they choose to not renew it, and it kind of sounds like that story you were talking about where it's it's native land and you're just yeah. sitting on it. That's They yeah. can break their lease. They can buy you out of their lease. Like it. It's yeah. their land. Yeah, that's where like talking yeah. stick and um, a wow. lot of businesses want to be near talking stick because it's in Scotts or near Scottsdale and it, you know, it's in a yeah. prime location and but they can't because they yeah. get to, the reservation gets to say who is on who's there, there and who's not. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, I think that was a major development with the Fida Camiso was to make sure that the titles were were true and real. And the the other piece that's um, interesting is that the Fida Camiso is held in trust, which is probably the other idea where the, the lease concept probably. comes from. But it's held in trust by the bank. Um, but you're the sole beneficiary. Like the bank can't do anything. They do, It used to be there were stories about people who would, you know, have someone else buy the land, like a, you know, a Mexican national buy the land and then they would you know take the land they would basically own it through that person and the person would hold it in trust but that leads to shenanigans right Mm -hmm. so oh yeah sure buy it and then mm -hmm. so the banks hold the trust um in your name and to your benefit so you they literally put the trust like 
your paperwork like in a vault and they hold it. Like that's their job. <laughs> so it's not electronically filed. It's not like it is where it goes to county. Um, right. But you could sort of think of it that way. They're all, all the banks are sort of individual county clearing houses, right? They have all of the titles on file. So mine might be with Ben Norte. Yours is with HSBC. Somebody else might be with Intercam. And so that's the other piece is making sure that the escrow company can track who is holding your your title and trust for you. So that is because the bank holds on to it. That would be in the case of having lending on your property, right? Having a mortgage. No? There's no mortgage. They just they just literally take it and they hold it. And that and that's their job. And you pay them, uh, I think it's like 50, um, it's, uh, it's about $500 a year. So that sort of figure that into your property taxes, which mm-hmm. are embarrassingly low here. Most people's property taxes are under $1,000 a year, including their um, fiducamiso um, trust. Wow. So they just... And the bank holds it and you pay them to hold it. And it's almost more like a like a storage storage fee than anything. And they don't do anything with it. They can't do anything with it other than be responsible for the record. Huh. I mean, you get a copy, you know, seller has a copy when they leave and but the bank holds it. So yeah. And everything is done in like multiples. So you have to sign contracts in blue ink. There's no like fax copies. Everything has to be, you know, cheap copies of everything. Oh, no docus. Yeah. Blue ink. You need to fly in and sign your documents. Uh, we do a lot of power of attorney. So DocuSign okay. is great and allowed and accepted for the offer, right. so to, you know, and for some of the initial stuff. But in terms of signing, you can't sign that. You have to either be here in person or you have to um, have established power of attorney mm-hmm. with your escrow company. So a lot of times at the beginning of a transaction, we'll recommend that our clients just set it up, even if they don't use it, even if they're planning to come right. back just set it up so you have it for peace of mind because things happen. Closing dates are never the closing date here, ever. That's the other piece that's very hard for people to get used to is that if we say we're closing on June 1st, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Suggested. (laughs) You know, I don't know. After the last year we've had with the market and lending and everything, uh, there was a few times where I think our closing date was just a suggestion too. It was very frustrating. So can yeah, I we, have lending? Can I have a mortgage on a condo there yeah. or on a townhouse or property or anything? Like, is it yep. the same? Do I talk to my local, like, do I talk to a broker here or do I have to use someone down there? Like, how does that work? There's a company called, well, they're now called Moxie, M-O-X-I, but they mm-hmm. used to be called Global Mortgage and they're the best, best known name in the game. And they do offer financing. It is an American-based company that only does financing in Mexico. And they have worked with the regulators in the US and the regulators in Mexico and they do they do the financing. So it is an option. The Mexican banks, Intercam, HSBC, and I think one other have realized that they're leaving money on the table and that the equity is here. So, or the, the collateral, sorry, the, the house and the property, right? The collateral is here. So it's in their best interest to start looking at programs for people, for foreigners to be able to rent here or buy. They focus on Americans and Canadians are sort of like, oh yeah, you guys, we have to get you some financing too. So we'll see. (laughs) We'll see how that comes about. But right now it's mainly American financing and Moxie um, offers that. It's a good program. Uh, It's expensive. It's, it's, it's 88 or 9% interest rate, but you're being able to buy in Mexico, right? So the trade-off is, do you refinance in the U S and take out a, you know, a, cash out equity refi on your house or your, you know, your properties in the U S and then use cash to buy here, or do you, you know, balance and, and do 
you're financing through a company like Moxie and they do 50% up to 65% loan to value. So you still have to have a pretty significant down payment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, if you're doing something that's 300 and you bring in 150 and they finance the other 150, um, what most people do and what my recommendation generally is, is to look at it as a short-term loan, but you're not going to carry an eight or nine percent interest loan over 30 years, but that it's your five year, seven year plan, right? So it's perfect for somebody who's maybe doing investment and buys a condo and, you know, $350,000 condo, which is affordable and you can do it, pay half and then use your income from that to pay the loan off and then help pay yourself back. And then you own it by the time you want to retire here. Yeah. And that's, so it's a, it's a, yeah. Very similar to what I tell my investors here, right? The ones yeah. who want to be future snowbirds, the ones who mm-hmm. uh, want to move down to Arizona once they have retired and, you know, they're not so sunny states. Start here while you have income and a steady job, right? Cause yeah. they don't loan to people who aren't working and then rent it out, you know, via short term rental, long term rental, whatever that looks like. And then mm-hmm. use that use those proceeds, those funds, whatever, to pay the mortgage and try to pay it off so that when you do come down here as a retiree or a semi-retired, um, you've mm-hmm. taken your largest expense, which is your home, off the, off your expense list. So right, exactly. Especially if you have two homes, then you can pay right. off, sell one when you're ready to pay off the other. Right. Well, and it's, and, that's actually no different here because there's condos mm-hmm. here that are non-conforming and then they they don't loan at you know 5 10 20% they it's like 50% loans unless you get private loans which are extremely expensive um so exactly. it's almost the same thing like there's the Maya condos in Scottsdale are an old set of condos that I've sold a lot in because they allow short term rentals um but that means they're oh. primarily investor which means now they're non conforming so you either need cash or you need significant funds to put down like the same. And then there's condos also in Scottsdale. When you're selling stuff here, you have to watch out where the lease is or where the sale is oh. because they're on leased land. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So it sounds like I have to deal with it more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's, wow. It's more complicated in Arizona. My That's head is funny. spinning. <laughs> right. Right. That's hilarious. So yeah. I know that timeshares are really popular in Mexico, right? And I know here we have to be licensed to sell them. I wouldn't do that. But, and I have heard a lot of stories about the timeshare salespeople in Mexico who, you know, free tequila all day. And so like, are these true? Is it like the least stories? Like, does that happen? Like what, what's the deal with all that? It's a pretty high pressure industry because their model is by today, by today, by today, right? You have to decide, decide, decide right now, decide right now. So it's very high pressure. Uh, it's how I got my work visa. So when I, we first came down, I wasn't doing real estate. I had a friend, the, our friend who owns the bar, it's on top of a resort. So he got me a job on the sales floor selling timeshare. And it was like the worst six weeks of my life, two months of my life. It was brutal. Um, cause I just, that's not, I, you know, in real estate, we're so relational, right? Right. And we follow up and we help people make decisions, mm-hmm. but we know that it's very rare that somebody walks into an open house and buys the same day, right. Or calls you, see something online and that's it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and those are the exceptions. So for me, oh, you know, it was really challenging, but it is very high pressure. We actually <laughs> we had some friends in town and we tagged along to their members update and, they were trying to sell us and the math alone, you know, they were bringing us drinks and 
pina coladas and margaritas and you know my tim was enjoying his cold, icy cold beers and you know of course we ended up walking out we we're just like no we're not we're not interested but yeah it's they ply you with beverages and flattery and try to get you to make a decision yeah. i do know another mob from the mom owned network group that we that she came down to visit and she got sweet talked into a $75,000 timeshare. Wow. Yeah. And he gave her all kinds of like, I'm you know, parasailing and jet skiing and all these, you know, free goodies. Um, and you have 10 days or seven days to, to change your mind. And so on the last day she canceled, um, and was like, yeah, I can't, I can't, we can't spend that kind of money. We're right. not going to spend that kind of money, but for a timeshare, she's like, for that much money, I'll buy a house. Like, yes, you will. <laughs> right. Just put a down payment on a condo, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Wow. So well, I'm pretty, glad she got out of it then. Yeah. Yeah. So there are ways to get out of it um, when you are first buying it. And then there's all of the, you know, ways to sell it later. But um, we own one. We bought 10 years ago. We paid pennies on the dollar compared to what they would try to sell us, mm-hmm. sell it for us, you know, sell it to us now for. We enjoy it. We use it. But you know, we did, we, I remember being kind of pressured and my husband and I feeling like, Oh God, are we going to get out of here? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be 90 minutes on the dot. I think we were there for six hours, mm-hmm. you know, cause they kind of trap you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting study in psychology for yes. sure. So the people who do it are good at it. Oh yeah, for sure. And it reminds yeah. me, uh, so we own one too, but we, again, yep. same, we, we've owned it for like 15 years and we own through uh world mark, which is owned by Wyndham. Yep. And we yep, pay for a, good one. a point system versus a week, mm-hmm. like a lot of people do. Yep. So we just, it's like booking hotels. Like we use yeah. ours constantly. We've bought more points since. I'm a little bit smarter about it now because I know how to buy them off yes. market and stuff. But for the most exactly. part, it's been really good to us. But I have been to their sales presentations and I refuse to go now. It reminds me mm-hmm. of, it reminds me of car salesmen, sales yeah. people, sales ship. Like when yeah. you go buy a car and you're like, oh, I really like this blue Honda, right? And they're like, yep. great. And you're like, how much is it? And they're like, well, what do you want to pay per month? Well, I, <laughs> I, I want to know how much this car is. My budget is, you know, 25000 So right. how much is the car? Well, if you sign up for this, then it's, the, and it's like, I, that's not the question I'm asking. And that's what it okay. reminds me of is that kind of like, well, Okay, so they finally get out. It's 28. Well, I only have 25. I need to right. bring in the manager. That's what, like, that's what I remember about mm-hmm. the time timeshare sales is it's yeah. like, no, thank you. I'm good. I would like to leave. Where's the exit? And right. it's like, well, let me get the manager so they can sign off. Why well, you got to sign off for me to leave? Like, I just want right. to go. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. And I remember being <laughs> in like Florida when we were young and we went to the presentations to get free uh, stuff because that was like how we vacationed I could care less now but um yeah. and it was like it was to the point where the guy the manager that was with us was like look at you trying to close me I should hire you and I'm like no, <laughs> never. so I you're like well you're, you're like give me your list of all the people who never because that was the piece I didn't understand I was like give me the list of all the people who said can I think about it right and let me call them and close them yeah you know, tell me what their deal was. Tell me what their option was. And uh, that's, I'm good at closing. I'll mm-hmm. close all day long, but I'm like, I'm not, you know, and you've got these people out there who might've could have, would have, should have, and probably went home thinking about it and wondering, God, should we have done that? Yeah. Well, let's, you know, and they, they're like, nope, it's not what we do in timeshare. Not what that's we do so in timeshare. And then guess, 
it's so bizarre, but guess what they did during COVID? Yeah. They called they every did exactly that. They the were doing all the callbacks. Yeah. Yeah. But who's going to buy during COVID? Like, you know, like we well, can't the, travel airports. Are, it was really interesting. I was like, okay, guys. I um, coincidentally yeah. was just looking through my Facebook memories this morning and there was some post at, at like the beginning of it. I was talking about buying office supplies for the house because in two, the 2017 tax reform, if you are a W-2 employee, you are no longer allowed to write off your office supplies and things like that. And it affected us because my husband is a oh. W-2, but he's an outside salesperson. So he has a lot of expenses. Ah. And so I was complaining about it. I was like, I hope all you people here on Facebook that are buying all these office supplies realize that last year uh, or two years ago or whatever, they, they took that away. You can't do that anymore. This is not a write-off. And so it was a whole like discussion. Oh, and no. uh, one oh. of my friends was like, oh, I just think we're all lucky to have jobs right now because we all thought the world was going to end. So it just, <laughs> I can't imagine like trying to call like that. If that's the mindset, then mm -hmm. why would people buy a timeshare at that point? You know what I mean? Right. Like if you're right. just exactly. like, happy to have a yeah. job, you're not going to go spend all your money on vacationing. So it was just an no, and you could, you couldn't, you couldn't even travel, right? you know, and they were trying to sell stuff that people would use. We'll buy it now and you can use it in 2021 or 2022. It's like, well, well we no. think the world is ending. Yeah. So maybe 2022 right. won't even be here, you know, right. in two years, we have no idea. So yeah. you guys are in the ocean. Your background mm -hmm. is beautiful. Like every yeah. life is good. Kids are in school. So You've lived there a while. I would be safe yeah. to assume that, you know, the kind of like honeymoon, beach moon, whatever you want to call it, yes. is over. So what is like, what's life really like in Mexico? Costco, um, Fresco, <laughs> Sounds Walmart, pretty you know, um, homework. It's, you know, definitely wherever you go, there you are. And so there's always going to be laundry. There's always going to be groceries to buy, homework to do, dogs to the vet, to the groomer. Um, you know, you got to get your tires replaced here probably more often because the roads are rough. So it's, it's a little bit, um, disorienting because it's, you live in a vacation place, but you are going about real life mm -hmm. there. And then the challenge too, is that when everybody comes, they're on vacation, right? So when they come to visit you, they're on vacation. And so we always tell everybody, we're like, look, we are happy to see you. We're glad you're here, but we understand this is your vacation. So, you know, we'll see you as much or as little as works for you. We're not going to get our feelings hurt if we see you once when you're here for a week. Um, or if you want to do stuff every day, we can't promise that we can do that. Because it is a, it is a, a culture that, um, that, you know, it's a party. And it's, it's very, very social here. Um, my girlfriends are all at the sandbar right now messaging me. Where are you? Are you coming? And I'm like, ladies, I got to work. Yeah. I'll see you in a little bit. And it's an interesting mix because there are those of us who work, you know, I own the brokerage with my partner, Heather, and then our friends are a mix of people who work online, remote, and then our friends who are retired. So it is a really interesting flux. And then there's people who leave, you know, April, May, um, and June is kind of late, but people who leave and then don't come back till October, November, December, and then they're here through the, you know, the best part of the, the best part of the year. Mm -hmm. So it is disorienting. And in some days you go, you know, like, really? Like, did it ruin my love affair with vacationing here? Did it? No. But, you know, did it also sort of change it a little bit? Yeah. But I guess, you know, if you lived in Santa Barbara or somewhere, you know, in California, you know, and even at the Oregon coast, right, where people go to vacation, um, it does give us a, a big appreciation of the fact that, you know, people are paying 
thousands of dollars to be here right. and we get to not go home. Like I we live here. They're here for a week. Totally get it. It's actually yeah. like that here too. So we yeah. have seasonal residents. I have seasonal friends. I have seasonal relatives, right? Like my yeah. in-laws only live here half the year. Whenever anybody visits, they want like, they want to visit because they're on vacation. And there are times yeah. I wish I was at the, you know, the waste management open. I wish I was golfing. <laughs> I wish right. I was swimming every day. I wish, you know, like all the same things, like, right, because they're yeah. here on vacation. This is a great place to vacation. And, and yeah. there are days where I feel like I am on a perpetual vacation and I love living yeah. here. But yeah. same. I, my kids go to school here. Like, yeah. we, we have stuff to do. So when people come visit and they're like, hey, we're doing this tonight. And I'm like, Katie has a band recital. Like I can't go right. anywhere. Like well, I don't, I'm still a mom. Like I'm not on yeah. vacation just because you guys are. And we always right. joke that our house has a revolving door all the yeah. time. We have visitors, especially not right now because it's August, but come yeah. September, October, there literally once a month, there is someone coming. Yeah. And so we exactly. always laugh that that's why we actually need a bigger house is for the visitors, not for us. But so similar, you know, same, but they see our pictures, yeah. right? They see your ocean in the background. They see my pool and they're, they're at home and their dreary weather. And they're like, man, they're really yeah. living the life. And a yeah. big part of me agrees, but um, I do understand. I'm also curious, what was it like to get your dogs there? Like, are, I mean, obviously dogs are allowed in Mexico, but was there like special shots? Like, <laughs> nope, no. It was so easy when we were coming down here for the first time, I was, you know, in a big panic and I went to our vet who's a dear friend and, you know, got all his files and all his shot records. He was seven, six or seven at the time, three years ago. So, you know, we, we got all of that information, got all his shots updated, got some international letter signed and she filled out all this paperwork and Tim had this book, right? This big fat file. They didn't even look at it. They didn't even look wow. at it. They sort of looked over the car they saw that there was a dog and they're like, Move on. Move along, and folks. they just let them right in. I go back and forth with dogs all the time because I work for Saving Baja Paws, or I work with Saving Baja Paws, which is Portland-based. Um, it's a rescue. And actually, she's buying land here to build a sanctuary, and it's very exciting. Uh, but she's a um, special ed teacher in Portland, and she drives she drives 40 dogs at a time up the Baja to, to California, Oregon, Washington. I mean, she's unbelievably devoted to these animals. I work with Tori. And so when I fly, I bring dogs back to the U.S. all the time. And all you have to have is this little, I wish I had, I should have had a copy of it, but a little booklet that they write their shot records in old school. Like there's no, if I go to one vet, they can't pull up the records. Um, or even if I go to the same vet with my dogs, they don't have records of the shots like they do in the U.S. where they pull them up on a computer. It's literally like a ticket booklet. And they write in, you know, like your, it's like your coffee punch card, you yeah. know, when you go to get your coffees at the coffee shop and you have your little punch card, it's literally like that. It reminds me they of like just old initial... school passports where they used to like yes. stamp it and write it in. Yep. Yeah. Like where exactly. So it's a little passport for the dog and you go <laughs> to the airport and you show them the letter from the vet and, you know, there's lots of vets who are willing to issue letters because they want to help these dogs. Mm -hmm. And then they, you know, they, they stamp the book and off you go. So and all um, kinds of dogs, right? All kinds of dogs. And they're coming Big, from Mexico up to Oregon, up to the essentially yeah, yeah. up the West Coast. Yeah. But it it's very easy to go back and forth. We, our Chihuahua, last summer when we went to the U.S., our doodle stayed here because mm -hmm. it was just too hot for him to travel. Yeah. So he stayed at a friend's house. 
but we brought our little chihuahua because she could go in the tote bag under the you know seat in front of me and nobody even blinked an eye they yeah. hardly even looked at her much right. less her paperwork um certainly not coming in um going out was just sort of the standard procedure at the airport but coming in um maybe agriculture in the u.s wanted to just stamp it but they don't do any testing they don't do anything when you come in they just look at your paperwork and they assume it's okay and or that it's even for your dog and then off you go wow the, the so, paperwork's yeah. for your dog not for you <laughs> yeah, so. i mean you know it's in my it, name don't worry my dog's name is melissa it's good yeah. <laughs> or that it's you know that it's the right dog matching the right paperwork but right. yeah i mean it's yeah they don't it's very easy to go back and forth well, I mean, how would you even check that though, right? Like if yeah. your dog's name is Fido and they're calling it bingo in the paperwork, like nobody's going to know. Like that's right. not like the dog like is, excuse me, that's not my name. <laughs> Please call yeah. me by my proper name. There's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. A little doggy ID, a little doggy password. Yeah. I'm just like picturing the dog being like, no, that's like my yeah, daughter. No. My name's not Sam. It's Sammy. Rose the same way. She's like, it's not Rosie. My name is Ro now. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. But that's funny. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. So no, it's very easy to bring the dogs up and in and out. Well, now. that's cool. So, yeah. so that way, if you're a part-time resident or you just own a vacation property that you frequent, then it you, and if mm-hmm. you have fur children as well, then your fur children yeah. are welcome. And that's good yeah. to know for, um, if you rent it out too, mm-hmm. uh, short-term or long-term that people can, yeah. um, bring their their fur babies do you help rent people people rent stuff out or are you connected with property manager short-term rental property managers or anything like that uh we have not been doing that yet because we wanted to get the office set up and do have a year under our belts um, Mm -hmm. on the sales side but my husband tim is partnering with a friend of ours noah and they are doing a lot of property management so it's a huge business here so that's definitely on the horizon for um, our family, for sure, for Tim and I to go into some property management um, because it's just, you don't want to hand your clients off to somebody else. And oh, then, yeah. you know, and I want to be helpful and I like the long-term relationship. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's fun. So you just want to make sure that you're, you know, I'm a very concierge style, you know, from picking them up at the airport, going to get groceries, doing all the things. Tim's been hanging TVs and paint, you know, artwork and um, helping clients shop and all of that. So it is coming. Um, it's something that I love and that I want to do, but as of right now, no. Um, yeah. And then there, there's sort of two avenues, right? There's long-term um, renters and then there's the short-term rental. So there's certainly the Airbnb is probably there's more money, you know, cause it's more turnover mm-hmm. and the rates are higher. So you're mm-hmm. going to rent, you know, your nightly rate versus your monthly rate or a year rate. It's going to be very different. So right. uh, but there's a lot of people coming for, you know, six weeks, two months, three months, because they can work from anywhere and they want to be anywhere, but where yeah. they are. So they'll come down for three months and yeah. I think that that sounds amazing, but you're <laughs> so, like, what's the temperature out right now? Like it's probably like a hundred degrees here. Oh, I'm sure it's over a hundred. Yeah. yeah. It, you guys, it, your summer's brutal too. Hot. Yeah. 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 But I, it's just hard to believe because it's on the ocean. Do you get, does it cool off at night or no? Uh, it's cooler on the Pacific side. Uh, than it is on the, on the sea of Cortez sides, but I think it's because we're, you know, we're contained up by the bay. Right. So it's, um, it's much hotter over here. Um, and then the Pacific side cools down and then as you go up the Baja, it gets hot again. So it's a very weird dip in the Cerritos to Todos Santos 
stretch. Um, I think it has to do with their wind pattern. So it's it's much cooler. Like my girlfriend posted, she's in a hoodie and a blanket on her patio, looking out at the sea. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm over here like in a tank top Melting. and shorts. Yeah, it sounds um, like I'll keep like visiting degrees. the Northwest. The yeah, summer, it's super, yeah. <laughs> oh, you in the winter? But it's super. Yeah, I mean it's super hot. It's like a hundred. It's a hundred right now. And there's no not much. You can see the palm trees are like wilting. Like they're not even. There's no wind. So tell me first how people would get a hold of Baja dogs. Like what's that? I want it. I want the information posted about their organization. Oh, Saving Baja Paws. Saving Baja Paws. Yeah. Tori Marie on, I'll send you her information. Mm-hmm. Um, but Saving Baja Paws is that's, the the organization that I um, champion and support wholeheartedly. That's really great. And so yeah. we'd love to push them out there too. Yeah. But finally, Absolutely. how yeah. do people get a hold of you? They want to buy a vacation property in Mexico and in Cabo San Lucas. Now, is it the entire Baja Peninsula? Or are you only representing Cabo or how does that work? Um, I do La pa- up to La Paz as okay. well. Um, so I do, we called it our courts Baja because we wanted to focus on the whole Southern Baja region. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some land that we have for sale in uh, Mulahe, which is North of Loreto um, by Santa Rosalita. So, you know, we'll, we'll help clients where the need is, but my backyard, my area of expertise is definitely, you know, Cabo to La Paz. Um, and that, that the very Southern, Southern end, uh, they can email me, you know, melissa.murphy at hardcordsbaja.com. I have a U.S. phone number, so that's really easy. You know, text and WhatsApp. The, I don't know if I should say my number or what. You know, 503-702-0369. Uh, and then our website, and I'm on Instagram as Cabo Luxury Homes Sold Here or Melissa Murphy Real Estate Broker. So I've got, you know, lots of social media, slowly growing my YouTube channel, right? It's like, you can only handle so much social media, Um not, I'm not anywhere close to TikTok. I'm leaving, I'm leaving that for them kids. <laughs> I leave that for the young realtors. I figure yes, exactly. Instagram is probably as young as I get. And anybody younger yeah. than Instagram doesn't want to hire me anyway. So, yeah, you know, yeah. or their parents hired me. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then tell them to work with you. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm the same. Well, friend, I'm so glad I got to chat yeah. with you. And Thank you thanks for, for clearing up some myths and telling us what it's like to buy property in Mexico. And I do plan on seeing you next year as you and I were chatting about. So thank you so much. All right. Thanks guys. It was so great to be here. Appreciate it, Carla. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Smashing Through Walls, a place for robust conversations about the building and blocks of Arizona commercial and real estate investments. Host Carla McGee is a commercial real estate broker with MHG Commercial, powered by My Home Group. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of my home and do not constitute any offer or advertisement of business or services. The real estate market is cyclical and listeners assume all responsibility should any return on investment, tax consequences, credit effects, or financing terms not meet their expectations. Guests may not be qualified to provide financial, legal, or tax advice regarding a real estate transaction. Listeners are advised to obtain professional tax and legal advice and counsel. 